G'day legends, it is good to be back and it's a bit of a change of pace today. Normally, as you know, on this podcast we have cricketers or cricket coaches, but today we are um, going to get a bit of an insight into the life working in sport from two guys who have a lot of experience. So, Brian Walker and Ruben Williams, welcome to the Cricket Mentoring Podcast. Good to be here, Tom. Thanks for having us. G'day, Skulls. Pleasure to be on here. There's a few big names that have been on your podcast, so uh, glad to uh, sit alongside them. Yeah, well, two more big names added to the list today. So um, <laughs> before we get into what you guys are doing um, with the sports grad, um, let's go back to your cricket. We'll start with you, Ryan. Tell us a bit about you as a cricketer. Well, Skulls, I think the – how do I define my cricket career? I think I just love to hit the ball too far, and that often is to the detriment of my score. So I um, – I get. I played a bit of cricket early on, so I was down at Wembley Districts to start in, in Perth uh, before playing a bit of Premier cricket at Subi Florida. And I think my career probably died when I probably hit 17s. I think that's probably where I, I reached my peak. Um, and nowadays, I, I sort of play my trade down at Wycliffe Cricket Club, where Ruben got me down. I probably played two or three games a year, um, but still you know, get pretty fiery when I get out, um, known to throw a pad or two around the place. But, <laughs> look, great memories, love my cricket, and, uh, yeah, it was an awesome sport growing up with. What about you, Ruben? I was just going to say, Ryan, you forgot to highlight the one opportunity where you had to make a century and you decided to not not show up the following week and retire on, I think, 86 not out. Because you had a you had an event to go to, and you thought well, my one chance to get a hundred is not worth coming back another week for. Yeah, well, I had a I had a polo event down at Gill and Hamish McLaughlin's farm uh, over here in Victoria that my footy club got invited to because Gill used to play at Uni Blues, and I was thinking, well, what do I what do I do here? It's quite the conundrum. Uh, so I was left stranded. I think it was eighty six, rows from memory. But I chose to go to the polo instead, and it's fair to say I regret that now because I don't think I'm ever going to make a ton. Uh, I was going to say I'm sure you had a good day at the polo; it was probably worth it. But yeah, yeah, Nick Lane, get that, get there again. Good day, but uh, I think the century would have gone down a little better. Uh, oh. So that's tell us about your cricket career, Rube. Yeah, well, there's a good reason why we're talking to you about working in cricket rather than playing cricket, and that's because uh, eventually you get to a point where you realise you're better at some things than others. But cricket has always been like the long-standing sport for me. So um, I played a, you know soccer, footy, even lacrosse at one point, but cricket's always been the one constant over summer. Um, played it since I was eight years old or so. And, um, and uh, yeah, have loved it ever since. And so, you know, played all through juniors at... Canterbury Cricket Club in Melbourne and then joined some friends over at the Wycliffe Cricket Club where I've managed to rope Ryan into to play a few games for a few seasons here and there but um yeah have cricket's been just been a huge part of my life for a long time now so um yeah have loved it for a long time to come and to be able to work in it has just been you know the best bit as, as well. Yeah, and that, that's what today's podcast is going to focus about is, is working in sport and, and you guys have had a, a great opportunity um to work in cricket and with Cricket Australia. Um, did either of you have ambition to play for Australia when you were young? And if so, at what point did you decide, okay, I'm, I'm probably not going to get there, but I'm going to do something else? Oh, I, th- I think uh, every 
young kid wants to play for Australia. So, yeah, that was certainly on the radar early. I think my ambition was to play AFL and cricket at the same time. But, <laughs> um, no, I, I quickly realised I don't have enough patience for cricket. And, you know, I quickly saw that, you know, you're watching the test match and someone's faced 100 balls and I'm just thinking, oh, I, I don't know if I can do that. I can't possibly face <laughs> that much and I've just got to go for it. So, I think it was pretty early on that I realised I wasn't going to play for Australia. I would have been 12, I reckon. The, the dream was was over pretty quickly for me. What about you, Rubes? I, I remember in um, uh, 1999, I reckon I picked up a newspaper as a five-year-old kid and saw the Australian cricket team wearing the Shooting Stars World Cup outfit. And I looked at the paper and I said to my granddad, I was like, what team is that? And he said, that's the Australian cricket team. I was like, oh, I want, I want to play for them just because I like the look of their kit and their kit still gets a lot of um, attention these days. Um, so that was always a dream from a very early age. And then, you know, eventually when you start going through juniors and you see, you know, um, people playing in rep teams and you're not part of those rep teams, you realise, oh, actually, I'll, I'll probably stick to something else. Yeah, Nice. Well, so today is, is talking about what you guys are doing with SportsGrad, the community you've um, developed and the podcast you've built. Um, so we want to try and give some of our, our listeners, our audience, uh, a few tips and techniques that they may, they can maybe take into their professions and, and their life after, after school and, and studying. Um, but no doubt there's a few youngsters who do have dreams of playing for Australia and hopefully some of them get there. But for many, many, many people, unfortunately, those dreams don't become a reality. So hopefully, um, yeah, there'll be some value today in what we're going to talk about. So what were the one or two top experiences that allowed you to both start your careers immediately after uni? I can crack in first, Rubes. I think um, soon after uni, I I was very, I was really lucky to be able to work at a, a great WA business and that's Revo Sports. So I'm sure... WA listeners would be very familiar with, but um, I was sort of able to to get a role there managing the indoor cricket program. And I guess for me it was, you know, I'd done a, a couple of roles already that were that were pretty casual and didn't have a lot of, you know, hands-on responsibility and um, opportunity to, to manage an entire sort of project or, or program or whatever it is. Um, so I guess for, like, for that reason, it was awesome for my development being, you know, relatively young and having a bit of responsibility. And um, I was lucky enough to, to know uh, Andrew Holder, who, um, who who runs the show, really absolutely killing it with Revo Fitness and, and Revo Sports. So um, really thankful to have that relationship from a pretty early age. Um, and I, I knew him from, from Subi Floriot days as well. Um, and... Yeah, it was able to get that. And I guess just having that experience to be able to manage um, a couple of people, which was great, the, the local umpires, which is amazing, um, but also just run a competition on my own uh, and, and do it my way um, was really valuable. To, and, you know, that's the experience that I needed to sort of share to be able to get the role at CA in a way because it sort of showed that I'd had um experience managing different situations and difficulties. I'm sure everyone who's played indoor cricket knows that uh, players don't often agree with the umpire and there's sometimes a bit of conflict there. So a bit of 
conflict resolution was was awesome <laughs> for my development um, and just sort of just easing up a few situations uh, that that had to happen uh, was really good for me. So that's probably where you know that's probably my top experience that I'm thankful for to um, allow me to to get into sport pretty much straight bang after uni. And so before we get to you, Rubes, just winding back a little bit, Ryan, what did you study at uni and did you always have ambition to then move into sport or it was just a bit of a natural progression? Yeah, so I did a Bachelor of Commerce and with a major of sports and rec management. So I I pretty much knew it off the bat straight after school that I wanted to work in sport. Uh, I wasn't totally sure where yet, I, I think. First up, I was pretty keen on player management um, and sort of being the the Jerry Maguire um, of the AFL at some point, which was a bit of a dream. Um, and I, I was lucky enough to do a bit of um, bit of unpaid work for um, an agent in Perth, Paul Pios, um, and he gave me an opportunity to do a bit of a an internship with him to really learn the ropes about how that happens, um, which was awesome experience as well. Um, but Certainly, from from the get go, it was it was sport. Um, probably because you know, straight from school, I think my uh, my, my waist mark probably allowed me to shift into sports management, and, and that was the the way I was going. Um, but yeah, I, I always had a passion for for sport and sort of the business around sport as well. So I knew pretty much from the get go that that was the uh, the path for me. Yeah, nice. So, Rubes, what did you study, and then how did you um, what did yeah? How did you go from uni to working in the sport? Yeah, so I, I had a bit of a false start. I came out of high school and went straight into a marketing degree, and then a year and a half into that marketing degree, I decided I don't like what a job at the end of this looks like. So I swapped into sport management, and ironically, now I've just done a contract for the T Twenty World Cup in the marketing team, and so I could have used that marketing degree. And now ninety percent of what I do with sports grad is all marketing related. So it's funny how that kind of comes full circle. But I think. For people listening, it doesn't really matter what you study, whether it's marketing, sport and management or anything in between. What you need to do to get a job in sport is kind of show that you can fill the need of an organisation. And the nature of a lot of the roles within sport is that your character and your ability to make things happen can be flexed to a lot of different roles. And so um, a lot of jobs in sport look for these things such as leadership, initiative, emotional intelligence, creative thinking if you've got and results to back it up from previous experiences if you've got those net of things doesn't really matter what you're doing you can apply it to the sports industry and so for me the number one experience that allowed me to step into cricket australia was an opportunity that i had with the deakin university sports society and it was there there it was my role to kind of lead this organization to create opportunities for our peers in the sport management um bachelor's degree to develop their career and create networking opportunities for them. And throughout that year, we kind of reset the entire organization and re-establish how we were going to um, create these opportunities and market them and bring more members to the the society. And in the process, um, we managed to increase the membership by 71% in one year. And so by the end of that year, I got to an interview with Cricket Australia during the end during the period of my final exams and they asked me a question which was what are you most proud about in your time so far 
And I was able to draw on this experience that ticked all these boxes of leadership, initiative, emotional intelligence. Like when you're running an organization, you just get thrown into so many situations and it kind of ticked all these boxes perfectly. And so they asked me, what are you most proud of? And I was able to say, you know, up to this point in my life, I'm most proud of being able to lead an organization which is dedicated to improving the careers of our peers. And that opportunity um, was one that had, you know, very ill-defined parameters on what you can and can't do. And I think those sort of roles are, are easy just to kind of slip into and do the bare minimum and just take the title and, you know, coast through the other things. But I think those who find themselves in opportunities where you have got no parameters on what you can and can't do and make the most of them can end up really leveraging them in situations like an interview with Cricket Australia. Yeah, wow. Awesome, awesome. So we'll go stay with you, Rube, on that. So what did you do with Cricket Australia? How did So you transitioned, you had an interview, you obviously showed that you'd been leading the program at Deakin and doing an amazing thing there. What a, what a great effort with that, growing 71%. What did, what did you then do with Cricket Australia? Yeah, so my role there was digital commercial specialist. And very simply, it was my job to run the campaigns of Cricket Australia's commercial partners on our digital channels. So someone like Qantas would pay millions of dollars a year to have a presence across Cricket Australia. Sometimes it's on the shirt. Sometimes it's on the perimeter signage at a ground. Uh, that's also on the website and on the Cricket Australia live app. And that those digital areas were, were my domain. So I would control the ads for, for Qantas that were displayed on the website uh, and on the app and make sure that we were giving someone like Qantas all the presents that they had paid for and hopefully more. Yeah, wow. Wow. That's uh, pretty cool. I look forward to hearing a bit more about that shortly. But what did you do, Ryan? And how did you then get from WA working at Revo over to probably Melbourne and working for Cricket Australia? Yeah, so I, um, I moved over to Melbourne mid 2017 and I did a, a short marketing course at RMIT for about four months and then sort of mid-exams I, I saw a role in the community cricket team pop up all around uh, clubs and, and volunteering and I'd had a bit of experience volunteering at my, my local club and I thought that's, that's absolutely perfect so went for that and, and got it so I guess started off in community cricket um, and then sort of in the last couple of years moved into our commercial team um, where I was partnership specialist. Uh, and basically my role um, was to, you know, work across all of our commercial partners and, and, and make sure that we're delivering on, on what, they're, what they're paying for in their, in their sponsorship package. So, you know, that could be signage to digital content to player shoots to um Anything you see with, with, with their branding on it, well, we, we work across that. So, um, yeah, I guess my role, it was great because I can sort of sit across the team in a way. Um, I didn't sort of have to manage a, a certain number of partners that, that we look after. It was sort of spread across the, the team. So, uh, you know, I was able to do some pretty cool stuff, I, I guess, Um some things that come to mind is sort of some of the connections with our high performance team. And, you know, I'd look on the TV and I'd look at the, say, the, the, um, the stumps and obviously everyone knows that there's a, there's a sponsor on the stumps and it's like, wow, we, we organise that, which is pretty cool. Um, but also just 
you know, signed merchandise. It's part of every partner's package. We, we get that signed by the players. We have player shoots every year where, you know, each partner wants, you know, the best players up there ready to go in, in their ads for TV, for digital, um, for all those kind of things. So we're basically in charge of making sure that can all happen. Um, so, so those the Linter Energy ads where Tim Payne's using his keeping, yeah. that's, that's all your work, is it? I wouldn't put that down to me, but um, <laughs> no, I mean, that's the kind of stuff, you know, there's always one of us at that, at those shoots making sure that it's all going to plan. Um, by no means are we telling him what to do, but, you know, we, we don't want to chuck the guys in, into the deep end. We're, we're making sure they're all looked after. But, yes, like those are Linter Energy ads, fantastic ads, love them. Um, but, yeah, we're very much... We, we sort of work behind the scenes to make sure that the players are there, they've got kit, um, they're wearing what they need to, those kind of things. So, yeah. yeah. And who, who with, with an ad like that, how, how does it go from idea to being filmed? Does a Linter have a team? Does CA have a team, a, a team of creatives? How does the actual process work? Yeah, so, so in that case, um, a partner would come to us just with a concept and obviously they'll... Um, most of them will work with an agency to, to come up with that. Um, we'll sort of work closely with a like a, a partnership manager or account manager from from their end. Um, and then, yeah, we'll, we'll sort of see what the concept is to make sure that it's not too wacky and it sort of suits the brand of Cricket Australia in a way. Um, and then from there, once it's all ticked off, I mean, that little bit of a process to get it all ticked off, but we'll, um, we'll basically contact our sort of, huge group of player managers who look after the players really well um, and just see who's available on certain days for, for where it is and, and when it is, um, which can sometimes be a bit of a, a puzzle trying to fit everyone in and, you know, often partners all want similar players in a way. I mean, why wouldn't you want uh, Pat Cummins, Steve Smith, you know, Mitch Stark, all the, all the big fellas? So, um yeah, it's a bit of a process to, to basically make sure everyone's available and, and ready to go. But, um, you know, if I look back at it, it's, it is quite simple in a way that has come to us with the concept. We tick it off and we make sure the right players are there ready to go. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That's uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, Rubes, what are some other, like obviously uh, connecting with players and seeing the sort of stumps on TV must be give you a real buzz. But what are some other memorable parts of working in sport that you just can't buy? Yeah, so during the Women's T20 World Cup in 2020, I was lucky enough to do a five-week secondment with the New Zealand women's cricket team. So I got the opportunity to leave my role in the digital department and step into the New Zealand team and follow them around Australia during the tournament. And so my role there was team liaison officer and it was my job to basically make sure the team manager had everything they needed to ensure it was a smooth tournament for the team and the New Zealand team are extremely easy to get along with and they're very welcoming and so I remember we were over in in Perth where you are skulls and we're at the beloved Wacker and they'd just beaten Sri Lanka in one of their World Cup games and they're going into the change room and that's when they said to myself and the other TLO and, and our security layers and officers hey guys Ruben Ryan the guys my other fellow TLO was also called Ryan <laughs> Um, come in here, guys. Um, we're going to sing the song after our win. And so we're all inside the change rooms. They start, you know, smacking their knees, smacking doors, smacking whatever they can to just make make noise. 
and then start chanting out the New Zealand, uh, the White Ferns, they're called, the White Ferns team song. And, you know, you can't follow along with any of it because it's moving so quickly and you've never heard the words before, but it was just an incredible experience to be a part of um, the New Zealand cricket team singing their song after a win at the World Cup. Yeah, wow. What, a, what an experience. I'm sure you remember that forever. What about... What about you, Ryan? What are some other memorable parts of uh, working in sport that you just, yeah, it's just uh, a real buzz and you can't buy? Yeah, I, I remember um, I would have been probably three months into the job when I first got into the commercial team and I was working at the Adelaide Test and, you know, part of what we offer partners are what we call money can't buy experiences where, you know, we'll take them on the field or we'll take them behind the scenes and they'll, basically show them how it all happens and essentially we were leading a a, a group through the Adelaide Oval through the change rooms and I, I it's it's so weird because you know I'm standing there leading people through the change rooms of the Australian cricket team and like inside I'm just like what the hell is going on like I'm just like trying to remain calm because I'm just like I'm calling the players by their first name it's all like Hi Nathan, could you get a photo with this lady? Like, like <laughs> pretending as though like I know who Nathan Lyon is and I know him personally, which is complete <laughs> bullshit. Like I don't. Um, but that was just unreal. Like, like literally shoulder to shoulder with uh, you know Tim Payne, uh, Travis Head, Nathan Lyon, all these guys just in the change room asking them to do a few things for for the guests that we were sending through. Um, you know, we had Gab Dovey in there, the, the team manager, sort of taking us through um, what happens pre-game, um, post-game, all, all those things, and that was unreal. And then ultimately got to take him on to the Adelaide Oval on the ground, bit of a boundary walk, um, and then go out the middle for the for the coin toss. And I'm I'm just sitting there. I'm like, how lucky am I to be here right now? And like, and this is work. paid for it. For you, yeah, like, this is work, and <laughs> I'm on the field of a test match. Uh, you know, at the toss, and I'm just like genuinely just, um, yeah, ecstatic about it, and that it was just amazing. So, I'll, yeah, I'll never forget that as a as a memory of mine. Um, certainly, probably the most memorable one uh, along the way. Wow, wow, two pretty cool uh, experiences that, yeah, I'm sure you don't get in your normal sort of everyday work <laughs> life. Um, so I assume Ryan, you coming from Perth, and Ruby coming from Melbourne, that. You guys met at Cricket Australia. How, like, how did your relationship develop to obviously then start the Sports Grad podcast together? Yeah, so so we met uh, first day at CA on the same day, um, and we were getting a, an MCG tour uh, because part of CA you sort of get access to the the gym at the MCG, the Hugh Trumbull Cafe. You get a bit of a discount, which is great. So. We were on a bit of a tour and I just thought, hey, like, he, you know, he looks pretty normal and it seems like he'd be similar to me. So we just, I remember we were both wearing the same kit. I think we were both wearing it, you know, Chino's RM's collar shirt, like looked quite similar. And I thought, oh, we probably have a little bit in common. Um, so we just struck up conversation and it kind of went from there. Um, you know, a few lunch times later, you know, became pretty good mates. And Ruben had a knack of just for some reason appearing in the community cricket <laughs> department office when it's nowhere near commercial. Uh, he just happened mm. to, to come down. There's, 
in every relationship, someone has to put in more effort than the other. So I was making the trip down to the community cricket department more so than yeah. I was coming up to commercial. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that's sort of where it all started. And, you know, he obviously got me down to his cricket club, Wycliffe, which is awesome. Um, but then obviously in, in 2020, um, you know, it was pretty tough. And Ruben can probably tell this story a bit better than I, but, you know, it was pretty tough for everyone going through that. We got stood down and that's sort of, how the podcast came to be, um, I think Ruben probably thought that he, he needed someone who could speak into a mic and I, I'd done a, a really rookie podcast for the Uni Blues in I think it was 2019, a very amateur podcast and he thought, hey, why doesn't uh, Ryan jump on here with me? But I'll let Rubes tell tell the story of Lock. Well, we, we, had that, we had that period where we got to sit next to each other for a while that, you know, the podcast that told me more than just what the podcast, what was on that podcast. Yeah, no, uh, Ruben actually, he for some reason, um, when I entered the commercial team, w- was somehow in charge of the seating plant. I don't know how that happened. Uh, and it just, you know, somehow I ended up sitting next to him, uh, right basically under a T, like the t- a TV. So that the cricket was on half the time. And, yeah, it kind of flourished from there. So <laughs> I think naturally if you put two blokes who, you know, probably like similar things, uh, catch up on the weekend, uh, play cricket together and you sit them next to each other, it's probably going to flourish. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's sort of how it all began. <laughs> and so was that sort of straight after you moved from Perth, Ryan, and you probably didn't know many people? Yeah, 100%. Um, I sort of – I didn't have a great intention of playing cricket in Melbourne. Um, and I just sort of, I'd been here for, I think it was probably four or five months. Um, my, you know, the mates I had here, I was living with and I, you know, didn't know a lot of people outside of the people I knew from Perth who ventured over to Melbourne as it is so, so common now. So, um, so yeah, like Ruben was absolutely one of my, you know, first Melbourne mates who, who presented himself to me, which is great. So, um, yeah, it, it was pretty much smack bang as soon as I as soon as I got here, pretty much. So, yeah, yeah, nice. So let let's get into sports grad. H- how did it get started, and and what are you guys actually doing? How do you how are you helping people? Mm. So I'll, I'll take you right back to that um, experience I mentioned earlier when I was running the society at Deakin University, and our purpose was to help people get jobs in sport. Yeah, in a lot of ways, um, I haven't really stopped doing that um enjoyed it so much made it a full-time job so um but at the time i had the same problem that everybody else had and that was how do i get a job in sport and to try and solve that problem i went out and networked with a lot of people asked them a lot of questions and then eventually started recording the conversations i was having because i was talking to my friends and they were saying that they weren't doing similar things but they would like to know the insights that i was getting so I started a YouTube channel called Sportsgrad and for three years it had 30 subscribers and whenever I had enough motivation, I would go out and interview someone working in the sports industry and put that up online. And for a while it kind of served a, a purpose and, uh, and it helped some people but it just was taking a lot of time. Editing videos is a laborious task and I just started working at Cricket Australia and that had become my no- number one focus. And so it was kind of drifting for a while. And then we got to 2020 and the pandemic came along and it forced Cricket Australia to stand down 80% of staff. 
And so at the start of May 2020, I decided to try and find out if sports grad was an idea worth pursuing. And in my mind, I thought, if we find out that it works, fantastic, let's run with it. If we find it doesn't work, then I can just get rid of it out of my mind. It can stop nagging me as this thing I feel like I have to do. And so I kind of went all in and I moved out of my share house in Melbourne to a studio in Lawn, I rent, which is a beach um, beach town in Victoria. I rented this beach house for, for two months and only did sports grad during the time that I had off from Cricket Australia. And during the first month of that, I was on Zoom every single day talking to students, asking them, what problems do you have? Um, you know, why is that a problem? What have you tried to fix it? And from those insights, started to reconstruct the YouTube channel into a podcast. And one of the reasons why the podcast or why the YouTube channel had fallen off a bit was because doing it by yourself can be, um, you know, it can be tough work when you haven't got support around you. And so, as Ryan's just told you, I'd been working very closely alongside him for a long time and I thought he'd be brilliant to come on board. And so, I think it was, you know, late May, I called him one night and he was just lying on his bed uh, in the middle of the pandemic, as you do, and I asked him, hey, Ryan, do you want to do a podcast together? <laughs> and the response I got was, oh, <laughs> yeah, okay, sure, why not? <laughs> and we kind of just went from there. And so we spent the next month kind of, you know, defining what do we talk about, who do we talk to, um, who's going to be on it, and um, and then started to plan a launch how are we going to get it out there and tell people about this podcast and we're getting ready to launch the podcast on the we're going to launch it around like right at the end of june and at the end of june that was when cricket australia was planning to bring back the 80 percent of stuff that they'd stood down however they didn't have quite enough money to bring everybody back on and had flagged that there would be some redundancies made and so a week before we're getting ready to launch this podcast about, about how to get a job in sport, I got a call from Steph Beltrami, Executive General Manager of Commercial, and she says, Ruben, I'm sorry to say, but your job has been made redundant. And I was like, ah, Steph, that doesn't really work because I'm about to launch a podcast about getting jobs in sport, not losing jobs in sport. <laughs> so it was a very ironic start to the podcast, but I think the sympathy worked because three days after launching the podcast, we became the number one careers podcast in Australia on iTunes and have just continued to, to push it and grow it ever since. And so now we talk with um, people all around the world in, in dream jobs and uncover how they got there. So people like in the NFL, the NBA, International Olympic Committee, AFL, that sort of thing. So uh, we've just done- wanna, I just want to stop you there. Hold that thought. Please keep going in a minute. But how on earth did you go from having no one listening to launching and three days later you're the number one? What was the secret? <laughs> Ryan Walker, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> add one, add one special ingredient, and it all takes off. Um, I think, um, like when you when you see any product being promoted, it's always got a bit of a build up and a bit of hype around it before it actually launches. I kind of just, you know, said, "Hey, this is what I'm doing over here when the YouTube channel launched." But when the podcast launched, I didn't realize I'd done a bit of an unintentional launch. Because during the stand-down period, I was posting on LinkedIn every single week saying, hey, I've got time to chat with students who wants to chat. And that built up a bit of a profile for myself. And then towards the end of that period, after posting consistently for, you know, eight weeks or so, 
I then did another post that got a lot of attention, which was, hey, I've lost my job. And then the post that came after that was, hey, I've started a podcast. And so the momentum from those posts just kind of built around my LinkedIn profile. So I think the difference was this unintentional launch that had been put behind it. Yeah, wow, awesome, awesome. So keep going with your story. Uh, yeah, mm. launch goes well. What, what's next? Yeah, so launch goes well. Um, we then start to build up an audience. Um, the other thing that I had started to do when I got a job at Cricket Australia was help people with their job applications and interviewing. Because when I got the job, a lot of people started to message, message me and say, how did you get the job at Cricket Australia? And for a while, I just gave out free advice and was asking, you know, t- talking to people, hey, do this, do this, do that. And then I realized that there was a bit of a process that I had gone through to consistently produce quality applications. And these were coming out in the people that I was talking to. So I then built a bit of a workshop for students that I would run in the Deakin University Library and walk them through, hey, this is how you can sell yourself in a job application in the sports industry. And so that was kind of like the backbone of what we started to teach. And so that then started to come out in in new products. We kind of reformatted them into uh, a digital online course that people can now walk themselves through and complete on their own and started to filter some of that information into this membership that we created. So in late October 2020, after building up this audience, we then decided let's create a paid community and every fortnight we're going to deliver a webinar to them either teaching them how to sell themselves into the sports industry or introducing them to someone else in the sports industry to teach them about what they can do. For example, Ned Coton, former chairman of Basketball Australia and CEO of Engage RM, he came onto our membership recently and delivered a webinar on how to, um, you know, all about data and CRM management in sport because it's just something that a lot of people have never heard of when you go through uni. So we kind of get people to teach their masterclass in in our membership. And uh, since then, we've grown that to uh, 13 members from 13 countries around the world with uh, just under 160 members. Um, and now we're starting to find that they're getting approached for a lot of opportunities because they've we've built them up with the right experience and we've taught them how to sell themselves. And so now we've been able to facilitate 137, last time I checked, roles in the sports industry, and that includes um, people like Nathan Peroni, who are out there getting jobs at the AFL. Um, we've helped a couple of other, we've helped multiple people get jobs at Cricket Australia. Um, another uh, favourite of ours, Jack Loy, has recently got a job with the T Twenty World Cup. Um, other people at Football Australia. So no matter what your sport is, we've been able to find a way that you can use what you've got and sell it into the sports industry. That is awesome. And we connected via LinkedIn and you're pretty prolific on LinkedIn. It seems like uh, every few days is a post of you guys, you two and whoever it is, third person celebrating um, getting a job and, and no doubt a huge part of their success is down to you guys. So congratulations. It's um, You're doing amazing things. Ryan, how did you, um, obviously you're doing the podcast the community launches in October. You were working with Cricket Australia. You got your job back and then you stayed with Cricket Australia until recently. Yeah, so I was lucky enough um, to to keep my job. Um, it actually, you know, it was, it was weird. It was such a a hard time, but it was actually, it actually worked out really well for me. So, I, you know, somewhat felt a little guilty about that, but it was also 
awesome in the fact that I was able to get sort of another year experience under my belt, um, which was awesome. So I guess for the past year, um, you know, it was great <laughs> sort of do CA by day and then um, weeknights we'll, we'll do the pod, which is, which is great. Um, and, yeah, up until around two weeks ago I was, um, I was at CA and then I decided that, hey, sports grad is for me and I, I'm, I'm pretty keen to, um, to do that full time. So I guess um, it's, it's just an awesome feeling working in an organisation that is purely existing to help people reach their goal and their dream. Um, and I guess Ruben and I have had that amazing feeling when you get that call from an organisation that you really want to work for and they say you're successful, um, and we, we sort of had that feeling and we're just sort of, we just love pushing that to other people and allowing them to experience that. So, yeah, it, it's been an unreal ride and, and now we're um, we're fully on board and it's certainly a change. It's It was an unreal ride being at CA, but it's, it's incredible sort of doing this now, us two and, and Resh as well who, who works behind the scenes. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a crazy ride. So don't know where we'd be if COVID didn't exist. Uh, who knows? But I think it's probably a blessing <laughs> if I look back on it. And so do you have desks next to each other again? Well, I mean, one day, yeah, hopefully. Soon to be. <laughs> um, we're, we're a little far apart at the moment. We're doing everything digitally, but um, I'll hand the reins to Ruben to work out that desk plan. I'm sure he can he can work something out. But uh, <laughs> Right, up, yeah, right under yeah. a big screen, hopefully. Um, but it sounds <laughs> awesome. Like oh, I get a, a, a similar buzz when my athletes score their first hundred or get picked in the, the first grade for the first time, whatever. When you when you get a call or an email from your clients um, who and who become your mates who say, oh, "I've got the job at Cricket New South Wales or at the AFL," that must be a real thrill for you. Yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, as you mentioned before, like we we love sharing that information far and wide like you'll see on LinkedIn we we love to share when members get a job um and just speaking to them you, you just you're like wow I've actually had a bit of an impact here um and it's, it's just a great feeling so um and, and there's there's so many stories you know as I've already mentioned I think we've let was it 137 rooms last time you you saw it um yeah, we'll get another yeah. back from Resh. There might have been yeah, a couple more um, since then. It's unreal just to sort of play a play a part in in that. So, yeah, highly rewarding. Brilliant, brilliant. So, what do you think most people struggle with when it comes to getting jobs in sport? I think the number one thing that people struggle with is selling themselves uh, in the sports industry and knowing how to transfer their skills from other industries or from different experiences and make it relevant to the job that they're applying for. And when you can learn to do this, that's when you can take whatever experience you've done or whatever degree you've come from, whether that be marketing or sport management or exercise science or you know accounting or, or law. Like there are people who have done law degrees who are running the BBL. Um, um, well, when you understand what sport looks for and what they need then you can start to pitch yourself successfully to that because a lot of people start with hey this is who I am and this is what I can do 
rather than starting with what is the organization and what does this job actually need and what is their problem that they're trying to fill by hiring this role and when you can solve their problem by offering yourself up in the right way then that's when you're going to find that you'll be successful in getting a job in sport yeah awesome awesome Anything to add to that? Right? Yeah, he, I mean, he's absolutely all over it. But I'll I'll just add to it. Um, I think a large component of getting a job in sport is you know having a network, uh, and, and people struggle to build a network for a number of reasons. You know, they might be nervous to speak to someone. You know, they might not have the time. They just you know it, it's something that doesn't come naturally. Um, but it's highly important. I think there's a stat out there that says, and correct me if I'm wrong, Rubes, you're a, you're a good stats man here, but 80% of the job market is hidden uh, and, and you can't see that other than if you've built a network up for yourself. So, yeah, exactly. Out. So, you know, and I, I look back at, you know, my experience that I've got, um, you know, Revo was built on relationships, same with Inside 50, it was built on a relationship and just reaching out to people to, to see if there's something available. They don't just come up on LinkedIn or Seek or wherever it is. You've got to actually go out there and find them. So, um, and part of that challenge is, you know, we know that people struggle with that. So, so we obviously try and, and help them by speaking about it on the podcast, but also teaching them techniques on, on how to get better at networking. But we've sort of, we've made that really easy in the fact that we're, sort of bringing our network to our members in a way um, and we've got, you know, functionality online where companies and, and sports and clubs or whoever it is can actually go on our website to, to hire our grads um, and that is basically a direct feed to the people that want these jobs and are passionate about them um, and, and want to land them. So that's sort of, I think that's a huge component of what people struggle with. Um, if you can nail your networking and you can nail how to sell yourself, um, then you're going to be in a, a pretty darn good position. Absolutely. Well, I think regardless of what industry you're in, what you do, life is built on relationships. Even though we're in 2021 and a lot of jobs will get replaced by machines and whatever, life is about relationships Whether that's and communication, whether that's with your club cricket captain or with someone you went to school with, someone you worked with. Um, you guys obviously became mates by building a relationship and, and now business partners. It's, yeah, everything is about relationships and you just never know. You mentioned earlier about Andrew Holder, your former teammate as a, probably as a teenager who got you the role at Revo Sports, which is his family business uh, after uni. So if we've got 13-year-olds listening to this, you just never know. Um, where your relationship might end up with. My, my best mate, my best man at my wedding uh, was a friend from 15 years old. Um, Chris Rogers is one of my great friends and, and having him as a, as a good mate has sort of helped me in various things. So just building relationships is just so, so crucial no matter what yeah, you I'll, do in life. I'll say as well, Skull, um, like, literally you, you don't – there will be people listening to this who, you know, as you said, might be 13, young guys playing cricket – you don't realise that the people that you are playing alongside, the coaches you have, the volunteers at your club, you don't realise it now, but I 100% guarantee you in five years, ten years' time, those people are going to be significant in your life for one way or another and jobs might be one of them. 
Um, like as you, as you mentioned, Andrew Holder, Paul Pios, he coached me playing footy when I was at school. Um, didn't speak to him for a few years and then after that I just sort of reached out to him and somehow got that. So it's like did I know back in school that, you know, these people would, would play a role later on in my career? Absolutely not. So as you said, it's about building relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Now, for people who love um, and play cricket or any other sport and want to work in the sports industry like what you guys have done, what practical things can they do to get started? Mm. So, I used to have this uh, casual ice cream job which I was wor- where I was working under as entrepreneur who, you know, started about five or six different businesses. And we're in the car one day and he says to me, Ruben, are you on LinkedIn? I was like, oh, very loosely. And he goes, Ruben, get on LinkedIn. That's where all the smart people are. So first point is get on LinkedIn because that is literally where all the smart people are. But once you're on there, as we've just mentioned, you, you want to network and you want to talk to people and you want to be in the know and in the circles where jobs exist because ultimately if you're listening to this right now, getting a job in sport is probably your end goal. So networks becomes important. and But that's where a lot of people stop. They just create their profile and then don't talk to anyone one of the really easy ways to get started networking on linkedin is just to connect with the people who are posting in your feed first reason for that is the people who post online are usually the ones who want to have a conversation they're putting content out there for people to engage with they're expressing their opinions or what they're up to they're sharing information they want to have a conversation about that so they they are the low-hanging fruit of people to reach out to so then the question becomes, how do you how do you reach out to them in the right way? I would find their bit of content, then send them a direct message and just say, hey, Skulls, love that video that you put up about front foot technique. Thanks for putting up all this great cricket contact, uh, content. Um, hope you're doing well. And that's it. I just you know, w- would leave it at that. Just appreciate the content that they've put out, up out there. And then more than likely, you know, Skulls, if you receive that message, you're probably going to respond to it. And so then you then you, you then you get an in. And so then that's when you can take the conversation anywhere you want. So if you want to learn more about cricket mentoring or whoever the person is, that's when you can say, hey, I'd love to learn more. Do you have time for a 20-minute Zoom call? And the part of that, the next part of that is just make it as easy as possible for that person to say yes. Because the people who you might be reaching out to they could be, you know, executives at the AFL or an AFL club or, or anywhere in the world. Their time is pretty precious. You just want to make it as easy as possible for them to say yes. So step one, find people who are posting on LinkedIn. Step two, show appreciation for their content. Step three, lead it to a Zoom call and create a relationship off the back of that. Awesome. And no doubt, Rubes, you'd have to then be pretty ready and prepared and have some good questions and, and really try and not just take from them but find a way to give them some value in some way, shape or form. Mm, absolutely, absolutely right. Um, we actually created a little template for this called The Networker, which is a one-page document that prompts you to fill in uh, what does this other person want from me and what do I want from them so that then you can actually figure out how can I make this a really valuable thing for for both people? And it might just be something as simple as, you know, this other person wants this to be a good use of their time. So how do I make it a good use of their time? Well, 
if I'm trying to get more out of them and find another connection from them, then I can do everything from um, just make sure Zoom is set up, just make sure all the logistics are right to make sure that I have a clear ask prepared so that they know how they can help me because often that's what they're in it for. They want to help someone. If they don't know how they can help you, then they feel like it was a waste of time. So come prepared knowing how that person can help you. Yeah, and I'll just add to that. If you if you do get um, to catch up with someone in person and you say, oh, I'd love to meet you and, and ask you some questions and they're willing to help you and give you their time, then you have to buy them the coffee or buy them lunch. You have to do <laughs> the reciprocation. I've had this I've had this conversation with Chris Rogers a number of times where he or I have been asked for our time and our help and our advice and we end up buying the other person <laughs> a coffee because they don't offer or they don't ask. And it's a small detail, but it's really, really it's really frustrating when okay, I'm giving up my time and I'm buying you a coffee. The least you can do is is pay for my coffee or my milkshake. <laughs> so any young people out there, make sure you offer to take, if you do take them out and you're getting advice from them, you've asked for their help, you're the one that, that sort of either buys them breakfast, lunch, coffee, whatever it is, mm. pays for their parking, whatever it is, just <laughs> as a little thank you. Yeah, four bucks is pretty good for yeah. half an hour of Chris Rogers' time. Exactly right. Anything for you <laughs> out I'll there? I'll just right? say a, a really easy thing for people to do is volunteer at your local club. Um, it is quite literally the perfect place to either create a role for yourself and create experience in that um, and, you know, put put into action the skills that you're learning currently. So if you want to work in marketing or you're studying marketing at uni and want to work in sport, then I guarantee you there's not a bunch of people who are putting out their hands to run the marketing for your local club. So Go and create that for yourself. It's all about, and we use this a lot, It's you're creating a snowball. You just want to like add and add and add to your snowball different experiences so that down the line when you walk into an interview and they say, well, you know, what, what have you done and what's your experiences and, and what's something that's been challenging, you can just, you've got a whole selection of things that you can bring to that conversation. So number one tip for people out there, start at your local club because um, you don't, I don't think people realise it, but it is one of the most important things that we hear from people when they look at resumes and cover letters. They want to see that they've got that experience and it's, it's an easy win that you can tick off straight away. Yeah, absolutely. And boy, the yep. local clubs need the help. And as Rube's story um, attests that, yeah, it's the best sort of CV or sort of anything you can say is, look what I've done. I've got results from mm. my club and... and the big organisations like a Cricket Australia appreciate that. Um, we're, we're sort of going to wrap up now, boys. So a couple of questions. What's next for sports grad? Yeah, so we've done a lot to build up students to have the right capability and the right characteristics to work in the sports industry. We're now doing our best to connect them with organisations who are looking for the best possible talent um, available. And so... Our latest kind of product release has been this landing page called Hire Our Grads where, as Ryan touched on, organisations can submit um, roles to us to pick from our community of, of members. So um, we're continuing to build up students by or grads and anybody who needs help um, by teaching them how to sell themselves and building up the capability and now the next part is getting them into organisations 
Awesome. Awesome. Um, now, where can people find you guys and follow you and connect and, and find out more about Sportsgrad? Yeah, so as mentioned, we're both on LinkedIn. If you're on LinkedIn, feel free to connect with us there. We post a lot of content um, um, that you can keep up to date with. We obviously have a podcast as well. So if you're on iTunes, you can follow us there. It's the Sportsgrad podcast or you're on Spotify. Um, give us a follow and subscribe there too. We're also on Instagram at Sportsgrad. And uh, we have a company page on LinkedIn too. So those are the uh, the major platforms where you can find us. And uh, the last one, of course, is our website, sportsgrad.com.au. That's where you can find more information about our membership um, and the other digital products and services we offer too. Brilliant. We'll, uh, we'll try and put a link to some of those in our show notes. But, boys, um, great to find out more about the Sportsgrad story and a bit more about both of you, obviously, We've connected a bit, but um, really good to go a bit deeper. Um, you've inspired me and, and no doubt, um, as I said at the start, a bit different to our normal podcast, but hopefully there's a few kids, um, younger people, teenagers, young adults listening um, who have got a lot of value out of it and can implement some of those tips um, and, and practical ideas that you've shared and stories you've shared into their own life to possibly get a job in sport and get their dream job and get that warm, fuzzy feeling that you guys spoke about. So um, well done on everything you're doing. Keep it up. I look forward to continuing to follow and, and see how it progresses and, and grow and develop. And no doubt you'll be helping thousands of um, young people around the world in, in no time at all. So cheers a lot. Guys. Thanks a lot, guys. Um, yeah, good luck. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Skulls. My pleasure, Skulls. Thanks for having us. Well, legends, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ryan and Ruben, who are doing amazing things for people in sport, careers in sport, jobs in sport. These are your guys. So a little bit of a change of pace from our normal episodes, but I hope some of you got some value and it might just give you a little bit of inspiration for your career ahead. So make sure you check out the sports grad community, sports grad on social media, and uh, yeah, follow these guys who are doing great things. Thanks a lot for listening, legends. Go out and get it done.